So, does everybody know what an underdog is in here? You know, the lower person, the weaker one, I guess, to explain. So, that has been me most of my life. I've been the underdog. In my younger school years, I would get really bad social anxiety, which caused me to stutter. And to say like a sentence, it would take two to three minutes because it would be so bad. Because I stuttered so badly, I rarely spoke in class or in school. I didn't really have many school friends. So because of me stuttering and not speaking, I had been dubbed the freak in school. Kids can be harsh. And in the church world, you would think that it would be better, but it really wasn't. I came from a middle-class family. My parents made ends meet, never really struggled for much. But the church that we went to was full of rich people, so every week the girls would come in with a new $100 plus dress, and my parents couldn't afford it, so I had been dubbed the poor kid in the church world. So with that, I had no talents or anything to offer anybody but my loyalty, and that was it, until one day in middle school. My parents had been praying at this church conference, and this ca- the cameraman had been sick, and so the leading pastor of the conference had handed me this huge, like, 60-pound camera shoulder. She just placed it on my shoulder, and she's like, this is the button that you push to work it. Go get good fit- footage, and she pushed me out of the room. And I remember just staying outside the door like, I, d- I, don't, I don't know what to do. And she's like, go, like, go get footage. And so she sent me along the sanctuary capturing footage. And so I was like, that was, that was fun, something that I'm interested in. You know, I could grow in that. And then the following day, I was expecting to do the camera again, but the sound guy had been feeling sick. And so he's like, this is what you do, and he showed me some of the knobs. He's like, don't worry about anything else, and if you have any questions, text me or Google. And I was like, great. Sounds excellent. So at the time, I was only seventh grade, sitting behind this huge soundboard, and he had said before he left, he was like, don't let me down, kid. And then he left, and I'm like, oh, that's no pressure. This conference is just about like two to 300 people. No pressure at all. And though I was scared, that moment I realized I had a talent for sound and camera and just media in general. So they began to train me up with that. And as my talent grew deeper and my gift rose up, I no longer became the underdog in the church world because I had a talent I could offer and something that was rare that not a lot of people could do. So with that, I became an overcomer and the upper dog, and I had left the underdog ways behind me. So my first point in this is, no, you do have a purpose, an important part to play. There's only one you. No one else can be you. Isaiah 40 says, he gives power to the weak and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Take a moment to turn to Exodus 4.10. In Exodus 4.10, God had just told Moses that he was going to use him to lead the people to the promised land. So, in Exodus 4.10, Moses says, 
Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. So with that, Moses was a man who stuttered. He was just a plain Joe, the underdog. He, at the time, had no important part to play, or at least that's probably what he thought. So then, goes on to say in verse 13, But Moses pleaded again, Lord, please send anyone else. Moses didn't think he was qualified for this job, for what God had called him to do, because he was seeing and has been seen through man's eyes instead of heaven's eyes. It's funny how we just tend to see through our own eyes and see people as we'd like to see them instead of how God wants us to see them. God had assured Moses that he would be his mouth and that he was qualified. He was more than qualified. So Moses had finally accepted that he'd been chosen to rise up and lead. So Moses knew now that he was qualified, but everybody else still thought that he was just the underdog. To Pharaoh, he was the underdog because God had hardened his heart, and Moses wasn't taken seriously by authority. Moses did start to lead God's children into freedom, and as time went on, Moses became confident as he stepped into that position that God had called him to do. God had gave Moses the words he needed to say, and the Israelites had finally acknowledged that. They obeyed Moses, and he was the leader. He led them. He wasn't in the background following some other human who had been appointed and chosen. He had been the chosen one. He rose up and stepped into what God had called him to do. And with that, Moses left the ways of the underdog behind him. My next point to overcoming is do hard things. Always strive to reach your excellence and be the best you that God created you to be. Second Corinthians 12 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made in perfect weakness. Therefore, boast gladly of your weakness, so that Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, and persecutions. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Joseph was the 17-year-old handsome male, and at the time, the baby of his family. How many of you are the babies of your family? Go babies. <laughs> because he was the youngest, his father showed favoritism, and his father had acknowledged that God had had his hand on Joseph. But, unfortunately, this didn't go well with his brothers, and they hated Joseph. They also hated him because he was a dreamer. God wants us to dream. It's okay to dream. If he didn't want us to, he wouldn't have given us a mind or an imagination. So, with that, don't be afraid to dream. One night, God had gave Joseph a dream about his brothers being below him and bowing to him. Joseph had shared this dream with them, and that was the final straw for them. They sold him into slavery. And how many of you have siblings? Can you picture your own flesh and blood being so jealous of you that they sell you into slavery? Just take a moment to really like let that sink in. Cause <laughs> with that, with being sold into slavery, Joseph had faced many, many trials, but came out stronger than before. 
In Genesis 39, it talks about the Lord being with Joseph twice. If you could take a moment to turn to Genesis 39 too, and then just have your finger on verse 21. So in Genesis 39 too, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. It carries on to say that his master saw God was with him. And in verse 21, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph, showed him steadfast love, and gave him favor. So God gives us all favor when we're following his calling. He wants to raise you up from being the underdog in any and every situation. Like Joseph, we can climb the ladder quickly and receive favor in every situation as long as we're walking along God's path. Joseph was given authority over the people of Egypt with only Pharaoh being above him. That's pretty high going from slavery to top dog. Joseph had rose from betrayal to slavery, then to betrayal, and then to being an authority. Restoration had been stored to his family, and he looks after his family after that. He rose up and was humbled and left the ways of the underdog behind him. He became a strong leader over people with leading him versus being led by humans. My last point is, you're a winner. You're an overcomer. Psalm 46 says, God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help and time of trouble more than enough and always available whenever I need you. David had been Jesse's youngest son who wasn't thought of very often when important matters came about. And I know that's right. Being the baby of my family, when it came to family discussions, I was always left out because I was the baby and my opinion didn't matter. One day, Jesse had seven of his sons walk past Samuel But God had told Samuel that none of them were the chosen one. So Samuel had asked Jesse, do you have any more children? And Jesse's like, well, I have a son who attends to the sheep. And he was like, send for them. So David was sent for, and as he walked past Samuel, God had confirmed he was the appointed and chosen one. David's three oldest brothers went with the Israelites to fight the Philistines. And David's job, being the youngest, was to go back and forth from tending the sheep to taking items to his brothers. This had carried on for 40 days until David had had enough of an uncircumcised Philistine named Goliath, who would diss, which also means hate, on his God. David confronted King Saul saying that he wanted to fight this giant who was pretty much 10 feet. He was 9 feet and 9 inches tall. And King Saul had asked David, who would save you from Goliath? And David had said God would, without hesitation. So King Saul said, have at it. And David grabbed his sling and five stones. He struck Goliath with one stone, killed him, and then cut off his head. David had prevailed against someone older, taller, and stronger than him because he had 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 God with him. 
He faced his giant and rose on top, even when his own brothers doubted him. As long as we have God, nothing is impossible. David left the underdog ways behind him and moved on to greater things. He left the baby ways behind, being the youngest, and had faced his Goliath. So don't be afraid to face your Goliath. Age and height and weight has nothing to do with it as long as God is with you. Before I had attended the point, there was a pastor at the church that I had been attending. I had prayed for about a week to two weeks if I should do Rev or not. And as Matt said, it's a discipleship program at the point where they also dub it a boot camp. The point is you go in during the mornings, do an hour of worship and like speaking in tongues, having a heart-to-heart with God, and then you have an hour of talking with the leaders, and then you have a small break, and then you get taught, you have classroom time, and then you usually serve, and you read the Bible in nine months, so it's very hard, but it's good, and it grows you up a lot as well. I had had a lot of confirmation on whether I should go to Rev or not, and so I went to have a talk with this pastor. My original plan was to do Rev, and then after nine months, go back to this church. Like, I just wanted some growth and a kick to help me become, like, reach my, strive to reach my excellence. That's what I wanted. And it didn't go over well. He had told me that I wouldn't last two months in Rev, that I would fall flat on my face, and that I wouldn't be welcomed back in the church. And then he had told me that I had ten minutes to decide if this is what I really wanted to do or not. So I had a lot going for me at this church. I was making friends, meeting new people, serving. It almost became a family. I had left the office to pray, think, and talk to Matt, And my best friend who is waiting outside. I'm a contemplator, responder, thinking is the gist of everything that I do. Even just going to cross the street, I will stop and think, do I want to cross the street now? Or do I want to do it in a few more steps? Everything I do is contemplating. After speaking with Matt, I had remembered that I did have a purpose to do Rev. I wouldn't have gotten so much confirmation otherwise. And then I just remembered that there's only one me, and I had an important part to play. Turn to Ezra 10.4. So it says, Arise, for it is your task, and we are still with you. Be strong and do it. And as I was remembering that there was only one me, my best friend that was there, Without even telling him what had happened, he had just said, do it, just do it. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just, you know, go for it. After I went in and told the pastor that I chose to do Rev, he had told me to leave. And so I was like, all right. As I was driving home, I thought about how hard it might be with nobody nearby for support, like, 
no support, nobody that I love is nearby. Where I was being sent to live, I was living 35 minutes away from my mom and an hour and a half away from Hesperia instead of just the hour. So it was kind of hard, but then I remembered that I had to do a hard thing. I wanted to reach my excellence and be the best me that God had created me to be. If you want to take a moment to turn to Proverbs 16.3. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not yourself. Then every plan you make, you will succeed. So as part of Rev, we had to write a preach and present it in front of the leaders, which is what this was. And as I came across this, this had always, in a sense, have been my life motto. I just forgot that it had been in Proverbs. And it just hit me hard because this would always be my fall back to scripture for any situation that I was unsure of. I told the pastor that I chose to do Rev, and as he had told me to leave at that moment when leaving, I felt like instead of losing something, like losing a family, losing loved ones, I had felt like a winner and an overcomer because I was doing what God had called me to do. And I had known that I was like walking along his path, and for once I wasn't going along my own path. It was, I suddenly made a huge step to do what I had to do instead of playing it safe. 1 John 4, 4 says, Little children, you are from God and overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So with that, pre-rev, I was trying to get the best of both worlds. I was trying to live in the world, but at the same time live in the church world. And being in Rev, I just had realized I didn't want to be part of the world anymore, that I just wanted to stick to the church world. And since then, there have been so many more trials and situations where I've been able to become the upper dog much quicker Everybody knows who Mother Teresa is, correct? So she was 13 years old when she decided that she wanted to become a nun. She had said, I knew that this is what God had called me to do. I'm going to go for it. She obviously had many trials. She wasn't from America. She didn't understand any English. And she had decided to go to Germany to attend a nunnery school where she didn't even understand their language. And it was an English-speaking college, in a sense. And so she went, and while she was taking notes to the best of her ability, she was also being tutored on how to speak English. And then, as time went on, she saw so many more needs that needed to be helped out, but where she's from, she was the underdog. Nobody in her village really knew her. She was the baby of the family. She wasn't very well respected, but now when you go into the world, everybody knows her of all places, and there are orphanages and 
hospices that are still open to this day that she had started. And her legacy has carried on. So as I'm closing, I just wanted to thank everyone for believing in me, even when I didn't really believe in myself. There were quite a few times during Rev where I just wanted to quit just because it was so hard. And then I just remembered that you guys had paid for half of my tuition and I didn't want to let you guys down. I was like, I can't just quit. Like, that's $1,500. I can't go down the drain. So that gave me the boost and I didn't want to come back and be seen as a failure. And I have left the underdog ways so many times that I figured I could push through it. So thank you.